It all started with a dream. This is so stupid! <laughs> In my whole life, for this. <laughs> I got some things to say. I'm still slowly dying, but uh. hey, we all are. <laughs> you are listening to the best of the back row. Hey, Mo. Hey, Matthew. Hit us with some factual knowledge. But I don't want to. But, but why? I don't know, because it's, it's Monday. Job. It's your job. You have still not paid me yet, so you can't say that it's my job. I have given you 50% of all profit made. That's nothing. Exactly. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, are yeah, not for profit business here. <laughs> <laughs> whatever i feel like we should be like more well known then because you know it's the non-profit doctors that are most well known and non-profit surgeons why is it that non-profit radio hosts are not well known i don't know any non-profit surgeons they're on all the television shows oh we should have a television show we should have a television okay so that's what you're getting at that's what i'm getting at <laughs> i'm trying to bring it back to our youtube channel which you refuse to do again it was so. fun i admit but it's much more work working with video than audio whatever all right uh, plus you gotta look good it i just won't... never looked good did you notice <laughs> sitting sitting there looking at both of us behind a desk i took up like my whole side of the camera and you were like over here with like a third of the screen and then blank above your head and around you. I felt like we were very weirdly proportioned Matt, to be on video. You're about to like be my absolute best friend. Are you telling me that it's okay for me to gain weight so that on our YouTube channel <laughs> I would look more proportionate to you? If you want to gain as much weight as it would take for you to look the same size as me, <laughs> I would appreciate it. <laughs> But I'm not. I'm not sure that I should be the one giving you permission, <laughs> and it's also not that healthy. Fine. <laughs> It'd be so much easier than trying to lose weight, though. Right. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Random facts. Here we go. Number one: listening to music you enjoy, listening to music you enjoy, <laughs> causes your brain to release dopamine, boosting your mood and making you feel good. That's why you're listening to Backer Radio. Every day, all right. day. Er day, all day. Er day, er day. That's right. Uh, number two, one in 10,000 people have their internal organs reversed. So, what one in 10,000 people, the x-ray on the scrubs intro is accurate. What does that mean? They didn't realize when they, at the end, have you seen scrubs? No, I hate that show. Okay, but have you seen it? Not enough to remember it. You don't remember the opening? No. Where it's like a, that song, some Superman theme song, I don't remember. Nope. But anyway, uh, at the end, to put up the logo of the show, they put up this x-ray on a you know a lit up background. Mm -hmm. But the x-ray is backwards, and they didn't realize that until a bunch of like 
medical people and fans started pointing it out. And so like in season seven or whatever, they winked at it and they had someone come up and pull it up and said, this has always bugged me and flipped it around and put it back up. So, yeah. Huh. So for one in 10,000 of you, it's not backwards. Well then, number three, though the average age of, <clears throat> sorry, though the average age of the... <laughs> Rude. <laughs> Though the average age of the signers of the Declaration of Independence was 44, more than a dozen of them were 35 or younger. Wow. I've never really thought of the the median age of... Who signed of the, the Declaration. The of the Dec- but I always envisioned... Old men. Old people. 50, it's because 60s. of their head. Or their head. Their <laughs> hair. <laughs> Look at all them old heads they got in that painting there. Mm. Their hair. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. I guess they still did that whole the wig, wig powdered wig thing uh-huh. back then. That's strange. That's something like, you like I'm I'm thirty five or younger. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That's something you didn't learn in history class. Mm-hmm. Um there is no state in the US where a forty hour minimum wage work week is enough to afford a two bedroom apartment. That's just that's sad. sad. That's, that's really sad. sad. But that's especially true here. You mean in Clovis? In Clovis, New Mexico. Yeah. Dade, yeah, Deidre and I figured out that if we just moved to Lubbock, the same amount of money that we paid in rent uh, for the last two houses that we had before we started buying this one would have gotten us a house twice as big yeah. in Lubbock in a nicer neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's because the base. Yeah, it is because it's it's basically a supply and demand situation here. Yeah. It's like, yep, it's in housing is in high demand, so we're gonna roll out the prices. Well, and because airmen get a certain amount of money for housing, mm-hmm. and so yeah. real estate brokers in the town were like, "Hey, we'll make give us all of that. <laughs> uh huh. We'll make rent match what they get." <laughs> And leave them no room for electricity or trash or water or any other housing expenses. <laughs> they have to pay all of their housing in rent. Okay, <laughs> lastly, in Dubai, you can Uber a helicopter instead of a taxi. <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah. I'd be doing it just to... Just to get a helicopter ride. <laughs> hey, I want to go here, but 30 minutes from now. So just take me up there for 30 minutes and drop me off here. That would probably be so expensive, though. Right, I bet. But hey, it might be worth it for just one time. Have you used Uber? No. It's really cool. Yeah. Although I feel like I feel like it would be just as good as a taxi. Yeah, but you're not hailing one, and you're not waiting. Like well, you set on your phone. Yeah. The only time I've ever used a taxi was in Las Vegas, and they're waiting on you. So, oh, I mean, I'm, yeah, true. I've never had to hail one. Yeah. But I just remember those experiences weren't that great. The Las Vegas taxis. Yeah. So I could imagine an Uber would be better. Mm-hmm. Because they're, like, rated. And yeah. They're, they're wanting to make sure that you have a good experience, so you rate them higher. So they mm-hmm. get, what, do they get paid more, I'm assuming? them. They get a higher percentage of the... Total. I am not certain how it works. I would works. assume it would have to work something like that because there would have to be an actual reward system. Right. Yeah. 
I'm not sure. I know when I went to Denver um, for that training that I did while I was yeah. still working, yeah. we used an Uber to get everywhere unless we were walking. But I wish that there was a way on the app to say whether or not you want a friendly Uber driver or one that will engage you in conversation. Because when we left, we had to get up at 4.30 to catch a 6 o'clock flight and... The lady, the Uber driver, was far too chipper (laughs) for 5 o'clock in the morning. I was not having it. I was not okay with it. The sun was not even up, and she was talking about everything under the sun. I didn't want to hear about it. How much more would it be for you to shut up? Right? Can you just (laughs) Just be quiet? Just tack that on. Tack that on to the total. Yep. But then there was one Uber driver, Matt. His car was decked out. He had chargers for every kind of possible phone that you might have for ipads for your um computers everything was hooked up he had cold water bottles waiting for you he had led lights in there it was like <laughs> yep this is the pimp my ride version it was of the uber driver then one of our uber drivers was high Ooh. yeah well that's fun got in the car sat down and looked at my boss and she looked at me and we were like yeah, it smells like weed in here. <laughs> he, <laughs> it's just, it's just incense. He uh, was the most careful driver, though, <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> we went four miles an hour. <laughs> All right. All right. That's fun. Uh, <laughs> no, I had, we went, when we were in Vegas, we did several taxis, and we had cash for everything. We we brought cash for almost the whole trip. Mm-hmm. And... We had run out on the last day to get to the airport. But I hadn't heard that they had, you know, the ability to swipe a card that most taxis would. I thought, if any place would, it would be Las Vegas, Vegas, where there's so many taxis. And there's got to be situations where people have to swipe. Yeah. So we're driving to the airport. I said, so we're we're out of cash. You have an ability to swipe. Oh, no. No, no, no. I'm like, oh, what do we do? And at first, it looked like he was just going to kick us out. Right. And I said, can we stop at a gas station so I could pull money out of an ATM? And he was very reluctant about it. I'm like, I will get you money. So we finally said, okay. <laughs> he pulled off. But yeah, that was that was frightening. Because <laughs> he, was, he was just in immediately... What? You Panic don't mode. have cash? You got in my car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry you're not in the future with the rest of us <laughs> who's had mobile swiping for years. All right. Hey, <laughs> artist updates. <laughs> uh, Mandisa was getting honest over the weekend. She posted social media can be a highlight reel. But please know that I'm 42, have gray hairs, still get pimples on my chin, regularly battle insecurity about my weight, my appearance, my voice, and whether people like me. I am not always smiling and happy. I often put my foot in my mouth and say the wrong thing. I get lonely. I cry. I yell. I make mistakes. Hmm. In other words, she was trying to break the false narrative of social media Mm because that's what we tend to do is put all the best things and happy things and then... On the flip side, we tend to look at everybody else's social media and say, gosh, they really have their life together. Why don't I have my life together? But, uh, yeah, little little more honesty over the weekend, which is refreshing because we're getting it from someone 
highly revered in the Christian community. Yeah. Yeah, Mendes is one of the most popular uh, CCM artists out there. Yeah. And uh, for her to be that vulnerable, which she's kind of done. She's kind of done that a lot over the years, especially like in regards to her weight. She's she's discussed that a lot. Yeah. About her, her appearance issues, her self-esteem and stuff like that. Um, but I think it's very brave of her to be willing to be that vulnerable. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. On social media. Yep. And help everyone to remember that. Good, uh, Good for her. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. to help her, yeah, help everyone remember that it's it's uh, a little bit of a facade that mm-hmm. everyone else puts on. It's true. <laughs> yeah. I've had the urge though to like post real life moments, but then I kind of talk myself out of it because I'm like somebody's going to end up turning me in to CYFD or CPS <laughs> for child abuse or or turning me into some of their psychiatrist psychiatrist friends for <laughs> being on the verge of depression mental and, collapse right <laughs> <laughs> there's obviously something wrong that's all she posts right it's real life <laughs> <laughs> she's having another bad day <laughs> She needs to get it together. <laughs> but then, I mean, I feel like on social media, those are the two options. You either have the people that only post all the great, glorious things. And even even if it, there's something that they're complaining about, it's always ending with a, but I learned a lesson from yeah. this kind of thing. Or there's the people that all they post is like subtweets and anger and complaints and mm-hmm. yelling and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And there's no balance. I don't. There's very few people that I've ever seen on social media that have a good balance of reality, and you know, optimism yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's weird. Social media is a lie. It is a lie. <laughs> it's fun to keep in touch with people. Sure. It's fun to document memories. It's, yeah, gosh, it is really strange what's become of the internet just in the last. 10 years i mean 2005 facebook was barely a thing yeah and now it's the it's was it a of, thing because i think i was. still had a myspace oh yeah no myspace was the most popular myspace it, i remember when it was myspace versus facebook and I was even one of those people that were like, I'm never leaving MySpace Never leaving, right? Ugh. And if MySpace was still a thing, yeah. I don't think I'd have a Facebook, to be totally honest. Well, MySpace is still a thing, but not the way it was. Now it's like a music-oriented thing. Do you know, though, that's why I liked MySpace. Because I could have a top 10 playle- playlist. Right. <laughs> and and could, play. And you could put your own background on the page. Right. And you could choose your top eight friends. Exactly. <laughs> and when one of my friends did something that really offended me, you moved down. You're out the top eight, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> you are no longer number one. You're number two now. <laughs> But then there were those people that would, like, change their settings to where they could have their top 256. What? I'm like, come on, that's not even... Like, I don't want to offend anybody. They have 257 (laughs) friends. (laughs) Except for Frank. (laughs) Whoever's in the doghouse. Nope. One below being on the page, my friend. Right? Better get your act together. You are the only person not in my top list. I do miss MySpace so much. MySpace was fun. And I can remember Topher was born in 2005, Mm -hmm. although he was born at the end of 2005. But 
I didn't have social media of any kind until after he was born. Mm. So that's how I, when I like try to think back to years, what year this happened in and whatnot, I just think of how old my kids were. Yeah. It's the best way for me to do it now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then there's the other thing like YouTube. YouTube didn't start until 2006. Hmm. It's barely 12 years old. But it feels like it's so ingrained in our culture, it feels like it's been around forever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's it's just weird. You know, it's but weird. I've got to tell you, I'm incredibly thankful for YouTube. Yeah. As a mom with middle schoolers, I cannot tell you how many times this year, this school year, we are only 11 weeks into the school year, YouTube has saved my life, my kid's life. And their homework, specifically with Canon, because he's in band. Mm-hmm. And so trying to learn how to play a song or hit a certain note or whatever. Well, guess what? I've never played the clarinet. I don't know how to properly hold the clarinet or, you know, what notes or what or mm-hmm. how finger placement or whatever. YouTube does. Yep. YouTube will have a high of two for anything. Uh-huh. I've been able to do a lot of car-related things I yeah. never would have been able to do yep. thanks to YouTube. Solve math problems, long division, short division, <laughs> algebra, everything. You just type it in that search bar. They've got a lesson for everything. Avoid society. Right? Shut yourself off from the world for a while. It's brilliant. You know, I've gotten to the point where I think school is going to become a thing of the past. We don't even need to go to school anymore. Right. Just let our kids just do their lessons on YouTube. On YouTube. Yeah. Get YouTube and then get your uh, Amazon Echo to answer all your math questions. Exactly. <laughs> and spell all your spelling words. Yep. Now, <laughs> have you seen the Echo for Kids, the Kids Edition that no. they come out with? Yeah. One of the, you know, they have it set up specifically for kids so they can't get in, they can't order stuff and Smart. they can't hear explicit stuff and all that. Um, but they also have a lot of extra stuff that you can subscribe to for like three bucks a month mm-hmm. uh, for the kids. And um, but one of the things in the video was, how do you spell pterodactyl? <laughs> so they're doing our homework. <laughs> I'm like, that's cheating. You can't do that. This is spelling homework. <laughs> Whenever I've done my Bible study homework, which is few and far between, and I have to read a verse from somewhere else, like cross reference a verse. Mm-hmm. Alexa, <laughs> what does 2 Corinthians 2.13 say? 2 <laughs> Corinthians 2.13. <clears throat> I wonder how many Alexas just went off. Oh, probably. I barely whisper Alexa and it'll hear me from across the room. Have you noticed that the new Alexa commercials, like the person doesn't say Alexa. You'll have to watch it now on TV whenever you see an Alexa commercial because commercials were making people's alexas go off and it'll say add bananas to my shopping list that's what the commercial is you know but instead of saying alexa they like muffle it and mumble it to where it's the person's like alexa add bananas to my shopping list yeah so that your alexa doesn't add bananas to your shopping list from the commercial (laughs) on the television yeah i remember they started they started doing that with siri like that was the original thing that that advertisers started doing yeah i think it was like i don't know if it was burger king or it was something something at the end of the commercial they're like siri uh take me to the or find me the nearest burger king or something like that and everybody's phone went off and that was exactly what they were trying to do they just had a guy up there saying it holding his phone (laughs) and 
I'm surprised my phone didn't go off, but hey, I'm okay with that. (laughs) Everybody lost their mind about it. Yeah. You can't do that. You can't force yourself onto our electronics. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So I think they came, I think FCC had to come up with rules against that. Yeah. So maybe Alexa can't even do that, even if it's advertising their own thing. Yeah. Maybe they're not allowed to say it so vocally. But yeah, um, it's also fun if you're a fan of wrestling uh, because there's a prominent female wrestler named alexa bliss oh yeah and so they always say alexa all the time on that so if you're <laughs> i have to listen with a headphone in on my laptop so my thing doesn't keep going off that's kind of funny anytime there's a match with alexa bliss who's my favorite female wrestler mm-hmm. all right who's the the redhead oh becky lynch yeah she's okay. champion she's right now my favorite she's champion and she's and oh gosh, it's so funny. Sorry, everybody who doesn't like wrestling will take two seconds here. Uh, she's <laughs> she turned or they tried to turn her heel, bad guy, and nobody's having it. Really? Everybody's still cheering her. They even had to do the the resort to the whole she comes out and insults all the audience and everything. Everyone's like, oh, Becky, y'all <laughs> get out of here. You deserve it. You Aww. deserve it. And so, but they're still hanging on to it, trying to make her this bad guy. Not and, working. Uh, yeah, it's just not happening. But uh, but she's champion right now, and she deserves it for sure because she's great. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, they need to make her. They need to make her into a Stone Cold Steve Austin character, who was a good guy, or he was an anti-hero, like Deadpool. You know. Yeah. He's, he's doing good things, but he's acting like a turd about uh-huh. it. You know. Mm-hmm. disrespecting authority and looking out for number one. That's what that's what she needs, and that's what her character could pull off. Yeah. But I don't know if they're going to pull the trigger on that route or not. But they might have to because just the fans won't let it go another direction. That reminds me of Ronda Rousey, though, and I don't like Ronda Rousey. Well, yeah, all. and I think that that's what they were going to go for with Ronda Rousey, but people love her, too. And, and Ronda, really lo- Ronda really loves being in the wwe like you can tell she's just a fangirl living out her dream of actually doing this and so everybody loves her and she loves it and it's great whatever (laughs) least favorite ever as a wrestler she's fantastic i didn't like her as a person in the ufc but as a wrestler she's great she's really good both athletically and just as the character that she's playing which is basically just her uh, I like her. I like she has like the easiest job ever. Yeah. In the WWE, let me play this character. That's just me. Right. There's a lot of people that do that. Whatever. It's only the it's only the weirdos that need to put on. Uh, no, I feel like Undertaker masks and whatnot. <laughs> but I, no, I feel like they're all playing okay, a character nice. that is not themselves. Like, Ronda Rousey mm. came into it as herself. Well, kind of, And it's yeah. because she couldn't play a character because everybody already knew her from mm-hmm. the UFC. You yeah. know, she couldn't dare turn a spin on who she was. Yeah. But then again, there's quite a few characters like Charlotte Flair and, and Becky Lynch who are just, just kind of playing slightly amped up versions of their actual selves. Yeah. Uh, well, I can see Charlotte uh, Flair because she kind of grew up Right, in, in, the, in the business. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, we were not supposed to talk about this today. <laughs> what are we talking about? Oh, goodness, we've been talking about this for 10 minutes. Yeah, we, were, uh, we weren't supposed to do this. Go. Here we go. Uh, another artist. <laughs> <laughs> 10th Avenue North's Mike Donahue is especially thankful for FaceTime. He posted, can we just take a second and thank the Lord for whoever created FaceTime? Traveling is never easy, but man, it's a little lighter when I get to see the faces of my kids. Mm. Isn't that great? Mm-hmm. That's what I, I really liked that, too, um, when we went to this last summit. Yeah. Being able to see my wife and my kids. Uh, it's just it's something different about it when you can actually see them yeah. and interact with them that way, not just hearing them over the phone. Mm-hmm. But have you heard Have you heard the new thing from Facebook? The Facebook portals? No. It is literally a screen, a video screen that you put up in your house that... Through Messenger, people can just pop up. Like, there's no answering. And see what's going on in your house? They just pop up to talk to you. Heck no. And the thing follows you. It's oh, I have swivel. seen it. Yeah. I have seen it. Yeah. There's no answering? Like it. Well, just... I, think, I think what it is is you have to set it up but with certain people where they can just, you know, pop in. But you have to, like, set it up initially. Like so I didn't realize pop in. I didn't realize that it was through Facebook. Yeah. I saw like a portion of the commercial mm. and I was like, hey, that's kind of cool because it does follow you as you're walking, which I yeah. thought that's that's genius. Right. Until I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, I'm just thinking, gosh, you and your spouse better not be getting amorous in the living room. Right. <laughs> got to keep. Everything's got to be away from these screens that will turn to follow you. Yeah. We'll find the face. Where are you at? We'll see. And with our houses, the way that both of our houses are set up, mm-hmm. if you put it in our main living area, that would show pretty much most of the house unless yeah. you're behind a closed door. Right. You know, you could see your kitchen <laughs> and your hallway and your front door and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you and Deidre better not be doing anything. <laughs> Nothing in the living room. Anywhere else. Anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for you. <laughs> All right, real quick, because uh, we teased this. Uh, we talked last week about an atheist organization fighting to cut all members, or sorry, mentions of prayer and God from school and discuss how we think it should be handled. Different kind of story this week. Uh, a community college in Michigan has canceled its annual Montcalm County pastor's appreciation lunch after a member a singular member of an atheist organization complained according to christian news uh mitch kale kale yeah kale co-founder of the michigan association of civil rights activists filed the complaint saying the lunch violated the constitution law uh, on separation of church and state which is not a thing montcalm community college bob ferentino said that the event was for fellowship for pastors. So this wasn't even a thing where they were inviting any members of the public. It wasn't a proselytizing event. Nobody was going to be on a microphone or a megaphone or anything. It was just a, hey, pastors in the community, come have this fellowship lunch, y'all together, all of you who are already believers and nobody else. But because it was being held on a community college campus, that was the problem. Um, we felt that it was kind of harmless. The, the Bob Ferentino said it was certainly not in any way, shape or form advancing any religion. 
This was not the intention at all. It was more intended to provide professional development and fellowship for pastors in the community who don't often get together. But because of this one complaint, uh, hey, those are Christians congregating on public property. It's gone forever. It was an annual thing, and it's gone forever. I, You know what I'm learning from this? Hmm. We need to complain more. <laughs> right? We're not being squeaky wheel enough. We really aren't. Then again, there like, are some Christians that are plenty squeaky wheel for all of us. <laughs> okay, but I feel like those Christians... But this situation... They're, they may not be articulate enough to get the point across, and so people just ignore what they really have to say instead of hearing them at face value. So... We, I feel like anytime there's a, a Christian being represented, a complaining Christian being represented on the news or whatever, it's always some weird backwoods redneck. You know what? I ain't, I ain't never done nothing that never. You know, I, God I ain't never, never hurt nobody. <laughs> I never done know. anything wrong to nobody. All, all I'm trying to do is just love God and love people, and I don't, know, I don't know what y'all want me to do anymore. I, I just can't. I don't know. I don't know. That. <laughs> they're my people <laughs> i grew up with them right. <laughs> oh wait a minute i recognize that accent <laughs> no um that's yeah. my first cousin but no, I rebecca <laughs> i get it i get it oh i just find it dumb that this specific event so i understand the prayer thing like we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. I understand why people could be offended by that. How are you offended by a group of people having lunch that are not holding some sort of anything to convert anybody else? That nobody else would even be there. The only people that would be there are Christian pastors. How is that infringing on any... Okay, so I've got a call to action for all of our listeners. Because we've mm -hmm. got quite a few of them, right? I would assume so. Okay. So here's the at thing. Least, at least four. <laughs> here's the thing. Okay. I just want to, like, I want to see how many people get behind me on this. And maybe in a couple years we'll hear, like, a, a different news story. Okay. Matt. Dang it. Every week. I forget to turn off my. Trying to be serious I'm here. Sorry. Okay. So. It is my personal belief that people who take such offense to religious gatherings in any form or fashion are feeling convicted. Mm. Okay? If you're not convicted, then you don't care. Right, you're not offended. If you, yeah. you know what I mean? So, we know this boy's name. And I say boy because... <laughs> boy! Boy! So all of our listeners of for the his next last week, name is Kale. let's pray for Mitch <laughs> Kale, okay? The as worst you, of all vegetables. As you do your daily prayers, add him to your prayer list, Mitch Kale. <laughs> just pray that God would send somebody in his life that would just speak truth to him, that would be a good example, that would be a loving example, and and let's watch a big miracle happen and take place. I think it'd be so That's cool. That's actually pretty cool. I like that. You're welcome. <laughs> you are listening to the best of the back row. You are listening to the best of the back row. 
So have you been to the end of the universe where there is a Starbucks across the street from a Starbucks? No. It is in Houston, Texas. Really? That is the end of the universe, and I have been there. You, (laughs) it's, it's in the middle of downtown Houston, and one is just by itself, like a Starbucks, a standalone Starbucks, and the other one is a Starbucks inside of the hotel on the opposite corner, but they're both open to the public, and they are literally right across the street from each other, one walkway across, both on the corner of the same side of the street, so you can walk out of a Starbucks and walk right into another Starbucks. It is surreal. It is surreal. And it's been there forever. Yeah. Uh, I experienced it in high school. We went to Houston for a singing competition uh, for choir. Hmm. And we stayed in that hotel. And I'm like, are those literally two different Starbucks? No, they (laughs) have to to be attached somehow. There's got to be. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I'm like, is there a walkway or something? (laughs) Kind of each? so strange. I have found, though, that like a Starbucks, <clears throat> a standalone Starbucks is totally different than a Starbucks that is either inside of a hotel or inside of a grocery store mm-hmm. or inside of Barnes & Noble. They, standalone Starbucks offer more. They have more of the um, seasonal sure. flavored kind of things. And you can actually use your coupons there. Uh, at, can you not use your coupons at... Nope. Incorporated ones? Nope. Ah. Yep. But still, essentially, the basics, you're going to get it both. Uh, the basics, yeah. yeah. Which is what 90% of people go to Starbucks for. Yeah. Except maybe the seasonal stuff. Yeah, like the... I know it took a long time for... Oh, gosh. What was it? The unicorn trap? Oh, gosh. All Starbucks employees hated that thing. Yeah. That thing was ridiculous. What? I hated looking at it. Yeah. It looked like unicorn barf. That's what it, it looked like. To be totally honest, tasted a lot like it. <laughs> it did. Mila yeah, had to it have did not one. Look great, right? Everybody did. Yeah. Most people just wanted it for the picture, for yeah. the Instagram photo. Mm-hmm. Click, click, look what I got. Mm-hmm. Unicorns exist, y'all. And in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll take my normal mocha latte. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Here's some news. Uh, good news for hopeless romantics and the perpetually dismayed. <laughs> All that sighing is good for you. In fact, you'll die without it. <laughs> Scientists have now pinpointed the region in the brain that transforms normal breath into a life-giving sigh. They published their findings last week in the journal Nature. So let's start with the mechanics. Uh, physiologically speaking, sighing is a way of keeping your lungs inflated. Okay. A sigh is a deep breath, but it's not a voluntary deep breath. Um, Jack Feldman said in the press release, it starts out as a normal breath, but before you exhale, you take a second breath on top of it. Whether you realize it or not, you do this about 12 times an hour and even more, uh, when you're stressed or anxious. Um, and it's a good thing you do, uh, cause if you don't sigh every five minutes or so, the, the alveoli, not ravioli, <laughs> alveoli, uh, will slowly collapse causing lung failure. That's why patients in early iron lungs had such problems because they never sighed. They didn't know they needed to program that into the apparatus that was keeping you breathing. Um, So you didn't have these deep lung filling breaths. Uh, One group of researchers sifted through nearly 19,000 gene expression patterns in the active brains of mice looking for the root of the sigh reflex. 
Uh, and it was much smaller than they expected, just one little bundle of 200 cells in the brainstem releasing one or two molecules called peptides. Uh, they shared their data with uh, Feldman's lab, and together the team found another set of 200 cells uh, on the peptide receiving end. So when scientists prevented one peptide from reaching its goal, the rate of the mice's sighing was cut in half, just one peptide. Blocking both peptides caused the mice to stop sighing altogether. And unlike a pacemaker that regulates uh, only how fast we breathe, the brain's breathing center also controls the type of breath that we take. So whether we're taking a shallow breath or that deep sigh. Um, It's made up of small numbers of different kinds of neurons. Each functions like a button that turns on a different type of breath. One button programs regular breaths, another sighs. And the other could be for yawns, sniffs, coughs, or maybe even laughs and cries. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's highly unusual for such small clusters of neurons to have so much power, Feldman said. Sighing appears to be regulated by the fewest number of neurons we have seen linked to a fundamental human behavior. The team's findings may someday lead to treatment for people with diseases that limit their breathing. Uh, these molecular pathways are critical regulators of sighing and define the core of a sigh control circuit. Uh Mark Krasnow said, uh, it's now, it's, it may now be possible to find drugs that target these pathways to control sighing. So you have to sigh or you'll die, pretty much. That's all yeah. it is. And, and they, I do remember hearing about how the iron lung situation just didn't work out and they never really understood why. So many patients were getting like infections or having breathing problems on top of the breathing problems they already had when they were put in those iron lungs. And it was just written off as, you know, just more of the breathing problems that their body was producing. Just never would be enough. And now they're finding out it's because they didn't have those 12 deep breaths that they need to have to keep their lungs functioning properly Hmm. every hour. It's so interesting. So now when I hear my kids or my husband sigh, mm-hmm. I don't I'm not going to take it quite as personal. Right. Yeah, you shouldn't cuz 12 yeah. times 12 times an hour approximately you're doing it without even knowing. Yeah. But I do it said, you know, you do it more when you're anxious or whatever. And I remember uh I was really nervous, you know, with as we talked about my dad's situation over the past few weeks about how we're, you know, we don't know if he's going to get a liver or not, if he's going to survive much longer. Um but there was a particularly stressful couple of days where we thought he might be dying. Mm-hmm. And I was just sitting there and I was sighing like every other breath it felt like. Yeah. To where my wife was like, are you hyperventilating? Are you okay? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even noticing it. Yeah. But I was so stressed out. My body just had to keep doing it mm-hmm. to keep me breathing functioning because I guess I wasn't breathing enough. Yeah. You know? Uh, so, yeah, it's it's interesting the way God is programmed our bodies. Yep. All right. It is Top List Tuesday. List. And uh, we've got six things your church may be doing illegally. We'll Ooh. hit these pretty quick. Uh, number one, and we talked about this uh, last yeah. week with our sponsor. Yep. Uh, making copies of printed resources. In almost all cases, that's illegal. Hmm. Like if you get a Bible, uh, Bible study resource or a Sunday school resource and you're making copies of the worksheets out of, the, out of one book... To pass out, that's illegal. It's you illegal. have to buy an individual copy. Uh, number two, showing movie clips mm. in your sermons or services, or maybe even showcasing a whole movie, as I've seen a couple churches in this town advertising, and I hope they got their life right. 
<laughs> so you can't do that. You have to buy uh, that. Now there are, there are companies that do this for you for churches where you buy, uh, you pay for a certain amount for however many people you're expecting to come watch this movie, mm-hmm. but you have to pay for it. That's why it says at the beginning of all the movies, you know, not for a public viewing right. or whatever, you know, you can't basically make your own makeshift theater. You're technically not even supposed to invite a whole bunch of people over to your house to watch a movie. Because that's breaking that rule. <laughs> you're part, you're purchasing the the uh, movie for you and your family, and uh, an occasional guest is what they think. But if you're showcasing a thing like, hey, everybody, let's have twenty people come over, or like a youth group, have a youth group come over to my house and we'll watch this movie. Technically, that's not allowed. <laughs> not legal. Huh. Uh, but yeah, it's more for like showing it in the church. Right. Uh, you you really need, and and that especially goes with Christian movies, because people think, ah, oh, it's a Christian movie. Yeah. We can totally show that. Yeah. But uh, mm, no, <laughs> that still still costs money. Yep. Uh, number three, using copyrighted images. This is a big thing, like with church websites or uh, sermon stuff. You can't use. You can't just Google search things. And pull whatever out and use that. But if it's on Google, <laughs> then it's free. Wrong. Uh, good news is there are quite a few really good, even church-focused uh, image websites out there that are what are what's known as CCO, which is Creative Commons Zero, which means you can take those photos, you can alter them, you could use them however you want. You don't have to put any credits, pay any money, or do anything. You just need to search that out. A CCO website. There's one called Freely. And that's the one that I'm thinking of that has a lot of religious-based ones. We use that for our church website and a lot of our church media. Mm. Uh, free stuff, and they're very professional photos, very good-looking photos. Mm. So you might not have as much variety as you can just by typing things into Google, and you right. have every image ever. Yeah. But uh, you at least will be legal, and you won't get a call one day saying, hey, uh, give me money. Uh, number four. <clears throat> Projecting or printing song lyrics. (laughs) You might not know this either. You can't just throw lyrics up on the screen. You have to pay. uh, What is it called? It starts with a C. Yeah. It's It's an acronym. Gosh, I just don't remember. Anyway, you do have to pay what's essentially. CCLI. Yeah, CCLI. That's what you have to pay a CCL for a CCLI license, both to perform, even, and to put the lyrics up on the screen. And your and your lyrics have to have the attribution down at the bottom, mm-hmm. uh, with the you know writer and composer and all that, and the date and all that. Uh, or you're doing it illegally. And then the recording part. That's where a lot of people, a lot of churches get wrong. Is that they record their whole service. With them playing the music and everything, and then they post their whole service online. Ooh. You're not allowed to do that. You can only, pro- unless you've purchased licensing through ASCAP, BMI, and CSAC, and Sound Exchange, all these big PRO companies, mm-hmm. unless you've purchased licensing through all of them to put this stuff up on your website and to perform it even, you can't just put that online. That's, yeah. that's stealing copyrighted music and mm-hmm. performing it yourself. Uh, even if it's not for mon- monetary gain, it's still illegal without yeah. those licensing. Uh, do, 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 do. And number six, posting copyrighted videos on YouTube. This would be uh, 
advertisements that were made by other companies and other churches that you're using for your own uh, programs. This would also fall under the um, playing music and posting it. But YouTube gets a little... YouTube kind of works their way around it because YouTube became such a big haven for covers, yeah. cover songs, that they just kind of cover the licensing for you and they, right. they put ads on your video and give it to the original artist. So you can get around, you know, music musical covers that way with YouTube, but you certainly can't do that with Facebook. Yeah. But Facebook's pretty good about just putting the kibosh on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Just like, nope, you can't do this and cut your video out. But, uh, yeah. So that's six things your church is probably doing at least one of them, uh, but not my church, because uh, I know all these things and I run all this stuff. <laughs> Matt does not want to do anything illegally. I do. I have no intention of returning to prison. <laughs> Been there, done that. Don't want to go back. <laughs> Got the T-shirt. It's it was itchy. <laughs> you are listening to the best of the back row. the news y'all the city of charleston's removal of a huge historic tree near hampton park a few weeks ago caused quite an unexpected buzz when workers <laughs> took a chainsaw to a to a canopy they soon discovered a colony of ten thousand bees oh my. living in one of its hollowed out limbs about 25 feet up the red oak, believed to be hundreds of years old, was splitting and decaying, prompting the city to take it down before it fell and injured anyone in that busy urban neighborhood on the Upper Peninsula. They called Russell Jewell a Wadmala Island beekeeper who's made a hobby out of rescuing threatened hives over the past six years. First, Jewel had to be lifted up to help seal off the hive openings to uh, keep the colony contained. And then the city called in a crane to come lift the limb down. And after that, it had to be relocated to a nearby site so Jewel could work on extracting the bees using a special vacuum device. But can you imagine being 25 feet up in the air and suddenly opening up a limb full of 10,000 bees? No, thank you. I would be dead right mm-hmm. there. Not from bee stings, no, just from, from fainting fright. and yes, falling. I would be, well, yeah, falling too. <laughs> yeah, and I would dead. faint bang, and bang. fall to my death. Hit every limb on the way down and Exactly. Die. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, this is another news story, and it's going to transition into our topic for this hour. Okay. Self-styled Texas prophet Joshua Holmes of Joshua Holmes Ministries is being called Jesus in the Flesh. By quite a few people who follow him. Uh, this flamboyant young minister, whom you might have seen in memes lately, I think we've even seen him on Back Row Baptist Church, uh, who many critics, critics dismiss as a dangerous departure from Orthodox Christianity, has emerged in recent months as an online sensation professing healings and money miracles. In a one-minute video promotion for his ministry that has been viewed more than three million times on Facebook, Holmes has recorded making women and men swoon with a wave of his jacket or a mere breath from his mouth. Uh, Information on who this prophet is or where he came from, however, remains vague and limited even on his ministry's website where he sells a book about prophetic mysteries for more than $100 a copy. Uh, I watched a video about this guy. He is a nutball. 
Uh, one of the memes that we've seen is him in this white suit doing Michael Jackson moves as all these women in his congregation throw money like they're making it rain what? onto the floor uh, during a service. This is a service of his. Um, he has all his followers call themselves sons and daughters of him. Uh, he's my father. Joshua Holmes is my father. This dude is younger than we are. What? By the way, um, he gets vulgar. Like he he has all these messages that he's put on Periscope and whatever. That's kind of where it looks like he got to start is doing these live messages on Periscope, and he's he's cussing and using uh, sensational language about body parts and whatnot instead of you know more technical and socially appropriate terms and and uh, uh, it's really weird. Mm. Um, during one of his <laughs> during one of his Periscope videos, his wife busted through the back of his makeshift set and called him a liar. Basically, you could hear you know he was in the middle of this quote unquote Bible study he was sharing with everybody, and you could hear her start screaming, "He lying! This mf'er's lying!" And come up there, and she breaks through. He's a liar! And her face on the thing, and then it goes black. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm incredibly interested. So, uh, but there, there's all these, the problem is there's all these testimonies online. Most of, most of them are young women, uh, who, who follow him and say things like, I don't read my Bible no more. If I need uh, to find purpose or happiness, I just look at a picture of my prophet. Stuff like that. And... <laughs> Stuff like, if you don't believe that Joshua Holmes is Jesus in the flesh, then you need to get your life right. You know, oh my that gosh. kind of stuff. And uh, so, <laughs> so uh, I'll let you examine him yourself. But let's let's talk about let's talk about it. Uh, Back row Baptist often pokes fun at like Joel Osteen and other prosperity gospel preachers such as Jesse Duplantis and Joyce Meyer, Creflo Dollar. Uh, who are not as overtly scammy like the so-called Prophet Joshua, but still bring uh, some questionable practices. Um, but honestly, and we've kind of talked about this, you and I, over the past year or so. Mm-hmm. Honestly, Joel Osteen, I feel, might be the least offensive of all these people to me. Um, there are lots of people who have found genuine salvation, as you've told me before, by a seed planted by Osteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we know people that watch Osteen and think that he's mostly fine. Um, and though he has said many things that would, that a lot of people would consider heretical, they don't occur nearly as often, I think as, as we tend to make it out. Right. Like he's not every Sunday up there saying something blasphemous. Yeah. You know, most of the time what he's saying is perfectly biblical and fine. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we brought up that question as we wanted to talk about this on a podcast, which we just never got to. But, you know, can God still use people like Osteen to further his kingdom or to bring people to salvation? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we agree, right, that, of course, yeah, God uses plenty of things to bring people to salvation or open their eyes, mm-hmm. even things that aren't religious at all. Exactly. You know, people could, you know, find Jesus in, in a Harry Potter movie. You're yeah. like, oh, I get this aspect now of faith. Because I found this allegory somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's how God works. God uses all things for his good. Mm-hmm. You know, if uh, if he needs to bring you through an unconventional means or something else. So, Osteen, you know, as hard a time as, as mainstream evangelicals give him, uh, isn't nearly as bad. Yeah. 
as others. Um, for instance, one of the things one of the things that really got me thinking about this because you know I mean you've brought it up and I've thought about it before, but one of the things that really got my gears turning was that we went to the Celebrate Recovery Summit mm-hmm. uh, this week or this year, <laughs> and I found out that Osteen's Church has a Celebrate Recovery. Mm-hmm. Their people were there, and their Celebrate Recovery is run like every other Celebrate Recovery, mm-hmm. which is one hundred percent biblical. Yeah, um, and has no ties to prosperity gospel or anything like that. And then um, Torin Wells, who we talk about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's on our station um, with a song like Known. That's mm-hmm. his most popular song, I think. Uh, he's still a relatively new artist, um, but he recently took over the job as a worship leader mm-hmm. at Elstein's Church. Um, and I've yet to hear Torin Wells say anything that's not in line with scripture. Now, no, I don't know everything. for ridiculous grace, <laughs> you know. But, uh, yeah, but... <laughs> That's here. That's that is, you know what I will I will say that it is funny that nobody's saying anything. About I that. know you're everybody the only wants person, to throw a fit about you're reckless the only love. Person that I've ever heard bring it up, and no one else is bringing that one up. But anyway, um, anyway, what I have heard him of him say, I found no fault in. Uh, so the situation becomes: Are you a scam artist, or do you really believe what you're doing is? Genuine and honest. I think I believe that that Austin is not a scam artist. I want to immediately say I don't think that he's in it for the money and that I believe that he seems to genuinely believe in what he preaches, even if it might be off uh, in some cases. Because uh, he, for one thing, uh, one of the things that gave me respect for him was that a few years ago he was on the news, one of those programs where he was being interviewed mm-hmm. and they, whenever they bring a pastor like that on, they always ask the big question of what do you think about gay marriage? And he didn't beat around the bush. He said, you know, I understand that people have certain feelings about this, uh, but there's nothing really I can change. You know, the Bible is pretty clear mm-hmm. that it's, it's, uh, you know, the homosexual lifestyle is, is sinful. And, you know, and then he went on with the qualifier that most of us have. So, but the Bible says a lot of things are sinful that we don't have under control. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that they, they uh, can't, you know, come to Christ. It doesn't mean that they're lesser people or mm-hmm. that we have to love them any less or anything like that. But, you know, he didn't back down. He didn't say, oh, well, you know, they're probably fine. You know, they didn't say that. They didn't qualify the sin as okay, I mm-hmm. guess, which, you know, too many pastors are falling into these days. Um he doesn't take a salary from his church. I know that. Hmm. So, you know, the tithe money that comes into the church is not given to him. You know, he doesn't take a large portion of that. Um, his wealth comes from the sale of his books and, you know, his, his personal business and stuff. Um, he and his church do actual good, as we saw with last year's flooding in Houston, mm-hmm. uh, where he was very unfairly targeted for, quote unquote, not opening the door soon enough. Now, I'll admit, I even made a joke at his expense before I re- read the whole story, but I backtracked it and apologized for it mm-hmm. to him on there uh, because he was basically told by the city and the city confirmed this. Don't open yet. Let mm-hmm. us open our shelters and fill those up. If we need you, we'll ask you to open up the uh you know, former compact center, which is where his church is, you know, it's this massive building, uh, which they eventually did. You yeah. Know, eventually did. It had beds and food and supplies and diapers and all kinds of stuff for everybody. Uh, so, so when it comes to Austin, I really don't have a problem with him in a lot of respects. Uh, 
I just disagree with him on some major theological issues and the fact that too many of his sound bites and tweets sound like fortune cookies. <laughs> he really needs to get a handle on that. Yeah. Um, but then there's Jesse Duplantis mm. and his fleet of Bentleys and his private helicopters and jets. And there's Creflo Dollar saying that God was going to bless him with the most expensive private jet ever made, mm-hmm. which, of course, did not happen. So was it really God saying he was going to bless you with it or <laughs> what? But And Jesse Duplantis then came and did the same thing like a year later, going after that same thing. God said he's going to bless me with this this plane. And it's literally... The plane itself is literally the most opulent, like, for royalty type people plane you've ever seen in your life. It is over a, it's several million, if not billion dollars in price. And they're flat out saying, and you, my congregation, are going to pay for it. That's all they're doing. <laughs> and I don't understand how anyone... Anyone who follows them doesn't see that as a scam. I would have a hard time saying, well, why do you get one and I don't? Right. And the whole, the whole thing where they went, on, they went on TBN and talked about, oh, we can't fly in the, in oh, the yeah. normal planes with all the demons in there and whatever. You got to get, so get into a, a prayer mindset and you can't do that with all these other people. Or, I'm like, come on. Yeah. Come on. You can't pray when there's other people in the plane with you. Mm-hmm. It's literally something you do in your head. <laughs> <laughs> if you, a seasoned pastor who's been around for years doing this thing, haven't developed the skill to shut off the world around you and pray. Something's wrong. Something's up, my yeah. friend. But yeah, I just... <laughs> I mean, I would have a problem if they wanted a private jet, period, honestly. Mm-hmm. But I would at least understand it because they travel to all these other places. They really do travel a lot. Yeah. But the more I'm seeing it, the more I'm believing that the only reason they're traveling is for money. Yeah. Jesse Duplantis comes to our town once a year. Mm-hmm. They pay him $20,000 or so to preach. And then on top of that, he takes up a love offering from this very well-off congregation that comes. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get why that's a, that's considered a ministry. I'm kind of annoyed now <laughs> that we pay, and by we, I mean our town. Our town that most people live well below the poverty line. I'm that I'm really annoyed now, Matt. I hope I have that number right. I'm pretty sure I do. I'm really, really annoyed. I'm gonna double check that. Um. Okay, so I might backtrack on the twenty thousand because I don't know exactly. I do remember reading that, but now I can't find it. But uh, I know it's quite a lot. But yeah, he was, but he was seeking donations. There was for a fifty-four million dollar jet. Fifty-four million dollars. Get a normal, even a cheaper private jet. That's like even a one million dollar private jet 
is going to be more than anything any of us are ever going to experience. Exactly. Why on earth do you need a $54 million jet? Anyway, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous and I hate it. But this is this is the, the wolf in sheep's clothing garbage that we have to deal with. And gosh, those are some convincing wolves somehow mm-hmm. to people. And I don't know. I don't want to just say it's that the people are gullible because I don't think that can account for all of it. I think that these people are such good orators, you know, good speakers that they know exactly what to say to connect with people who are in a vulnerable state. Mm -hmm. And once they make that connection, even once most people will stay connected, even if they hear something that they find off or even if some other people are talking about how negative, uh, that ministry quote unquote really is they had that emotional connection Mm -hmm. at one point. And so they know to them that was real. And so something's got to be wrong in the way everybody else is perceiving Mm -hmm. the situation. Yeah. Cause I, I truly believe at our core as humans, we are committed beings, Mm -hmm. if you will. We, when we, grow an attachment to something will fight tooth and nail to keep that attachment yeah um and it's going to take a lot it it takes very little i think for us to grow that attachment to something but it takes a lot for that attachment to be severed absolutely yeah um gosh Sorry, I'm reading more more stories about Jesse Duplantis. I just, I Ugh. don't understand. And truthfully, Matt, I feel like anything, and you said this, anything can be used for the good. Yeah. Anything can be used for growth in God's kingdom. Anything. Mm-hmm. People have come to salvation through much worse than Jesse Duplantis. Mm-hmm. And all I can hope and pray is that... Once that seed is planted, once something begins to sprout, that it then falls on the person yeah. um, to work to get it cultivated. Exactly. With more Exactly. Stuff. To yeah. do the work on their part. Yeah. Um, you know, read your Bible and mm-hmm. and grow in your relationship with God and you'll begin to realize, okay, this isn't necessarily quite biblical. Maybe I need to steer in this direction a little more um because we all had we all had off beliefs and absolutely and and poor reactions to things when we were younger christians Mm -hmm. and hopefully you've grown out of that and uh i mean you know i still do every now and then but but you're never going to stop growing but i feel like i'm much better off than i was 10 years ago Mm -hmm. in the faith because i hadn't done anything to grow myself or my faith Ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <sighs> well, I mean, and I feel like Makes that happens sad. every day. We have to allow ourselves to be open to those aha moments. We mm-hmm. have to allow ourselves to be proven wrong in order to be right. Um, even something as small as what we did last week with, do was it last week or the week before, do animals go to heaven? I think it was the week before. Yeah, I think it was. That was a mindset that, you were in. You believed it to be 100% true. Yeah, that there could not be animals in heaven or any situation like that. And right. 
maybe that's not the case. Exactly. The Bible kind of points to there probably are animals in the afterlife. Somehow. And that's just a very small scenario. Yeah. You know, a very small example. Right. It's not necessarily... Yeah, that's not that's a, in, not a life, a life or death right. theological debate. Right, but there are going to be those situations mm-hmm. within our Christian growth every single day that if we are willing to step outside of the box of no, I know the answer to this, to let me research it and let me find out for myself mm-hmm. what the Bible says. We can't just take what our pastor says verbatim. Right. We have to remember and understand that he's human too, and humans are fallible. They make mistakes. They speak incorrectly all the time, whether purposefully or not. It then falls on us, our responsibility to to do the research and yeah. make sure that what we're learning, what we believe, and what we're hearing is accurate. Right. There um on our Friday show, the You're My Friend and I Trust You mm-hmm. with Donnie and Jordan. Uh, they were talking about this past week with their with their guest Avery, and then they talked about it a couple of weeks ago or several weeks ago. That uh, you know they were talking about the creation of the world, mm-hmm. and is that one hundred percent accurate? Was it seven exact days? Right. Was maybe the creation of the world a poetic thing about you know God and and you know it's actually more in line with what evolution teaches us or whatever? Or you know, it's there's a lot of big questions that. There's no real way for us to 100% answer because no one was there. Right. But, uh, you know, the mindset that they had on it was no matter what I choose here uh, as a Christian, I'm totally willing to be proven wrong Mm -hmm. Uh, because it's all just a guess. It's all just a guess of exactly what that means. Is that literal? Is that figurative? Is it literal? But it means, but it's actually, you know, spread out over time. And, you know, because of the, you know, a day is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. It's right. a God situation. You know, you don't really, we don't really know for sure. And, you know, we'll get into that debate some other episode. But I just love that mindset of, look, I'm totally willing to be proved wrong. Yeah. It's, 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 it's not, we can't be so ingrained in these things that are up for debate or even things that we think are not up for debate, but we've never really done the study. We've just parroted what we've heard other believers or pastors or whatever say Mm -hmm. we have to be willing to be proven wrong we have to be willing to come into any type of discussion or debate with the mindset of it's possible that i'm off Mm -hmm. and that's kind of that's what i you know that's what we did with the the animal thing because i was 100 percent sure there's no possible way there are animals in heaven and then i was also kind of this way with joel osteen for a while Mm -hmm. because i was just i was kind of I was lumping him, him him in with all prosperity preachers, which most of them are just, in my opinion, awful people. Mm-hmm. But I was ignoring a lot of the good stuff that he does do mm-hmm. and a lot of the other connections with his church. Um, so I think that we have a problem. I think we have a problem with people who watch Joel Osteen or other pe- preachers on TV. Because most of those people are doing it in place of going to an actual church. Yeah. Now, the people that actually go to Joel Osteen's church, I think most of them probably have their head on straight. Um, because it is, I mean, it's a big church, of course. There mm-hmm. are thousands of people. But the people that are actually active in that church, like with the Celebrate Recovery program and, and in the worship team and all this other stuff, you know, you can't just say that everybody connected with that church is, you know, unbiblical and going to hell or 
anything like that. We can't just make that assumption that they're all dumb, mm-hmm. that they're all blind or all anything like that. Um, so, I mean, as I've said, Joel Osteen has said some things in the past that are just, eh, that's, uh, yeah. that's a little, mm, I don't, I don't think, but mm, 95% of what he says, any preacher would say nobody would bat an eye. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've felt that <laughs> same way about our mega church here in town. Yeah, know? I agree. I, and it took having one of my friends be a faithful attender of that mm-hmm. church and having really tough biblical conversations with her about certain things and realizing, okay, so everybody who goes to that church isn't just hoping and praying that they're going to have their best life ever. Right. Yeah. Because they're attenders of the mega church. Right. You know? I usually define them as just just slightly prosperity gospel church. Yeah. You know, just barely dipping their toe into that angle, but mostly they're fine. Yeah. <laughs> but still kinda Just I mean, it's enough that I don't want to go there, but <laughs> most people can do it without really damaging their soul. Yeah. All that much. Um <laughs> They just they just do some things a little weird, a little off, like the giant McDonald's signs on either side of the youth area pulpit. Yeah. I'm like, that seems wrong. It seems like the word of God sponsored by McDonald's. Yeah. It just sounds, I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then but at know. the same time, I'm sure that if someone were looking into our church, mm-hmm. they would... Oh, they'll find something. Yeah. You know. Everybody has different things. I get that. Um, It's just, yeah. It's just the prosperity gospel stuff Mm -hmm. gets kind of pushed to the forefront because it's itself pushed to the forefront. That's kind of what it it does. It tries to get out there in front of everybody because that's what ensnares people. That's how they're (laughs) going to grow and how they're going to be prosperous. You sow this seed of money. You bring exactly. and see, so that brings us full circle back to Joshua Holmes, uh, this this guy out of Texas, um, who just has has cultivated this massive following, mostly of young women, young black women, who it just seems like they're lonely women, lonely or hurt women, yeah, that are looking for someone who quote unquote loves them or gives them some sort of completion. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunately how a lot of these things, a lot of these actual predatory quote unquote preachers get their hooks in. It's through vulnerable people, through vulnerability. Yeah. And, uh, but he, he went on this, this show on this unnamed TV network, which I'm not going to. Just sit here bash because I only know of this show, which I don't approve of. I don't know if all their programming is awful. But uh, they went on this show, and they're they're talking to him like he's this massive biblical scholar. You know, this dude never went to seminary, never did nothing. He just started a Periscope channel and convinced a whole bunch of people to follow him. And he's built a church around it. And he's talking about how he sowed a seed of this and this into some unnamed ministry of another prosperity gospel and within a week he moved from this this garbage apartment or whatever into a mansion and i'm like dude <laughs> number one our mansion's supposed to be in heaven it ain't supposed to be here right number two 
Oh, you're such a liar. <laughs> you're just, all you're doing is taking money from everybody else. doesn't matter if you sow some of that money that you've taken from everybody else into somebody else's ministry or not. Yeah. It's all money that you are getting convincing other people to give you for false uh, for a, a false return. Yeah. A non-return. Mm-hmm. <sighs> anyway. Here, Here's... My last thought, Matt. Go for it. I'll let you end it because I'm I'm going to go off on tangents if I keep going. <laughs> so we know that God has created us all differently and unique. And that goes along with how we receive his word and how he speaks to us. We talked about this, I think, yesterday mm-hmm. on the show about uh, worship music and um you know, how we are easily manipulated, if you yeah. will, by worship music, music, whereas someone else may not be. Right. Um, speaking about the women who follow this Joshua Holmes guy, if just one of those women are in a place where they're lonely and they're depressed and they just need some value of love and want, mm-hmm. if they end up coming to salvation and finding that genuine love, through Jesus, from whatever, even if it is a dead seed that Joshua (laughs) Holmes plants, from whatever seed he plants, even if they come to salvation through that. Except I don't think that's happening in this case, because in this case, he's Jesus in the flesh. Not yet. He's the one that's salvation. But I wouldn't wouldn't (laughs) be so blind to say that there could be one female out there who is going to through following him, realize this, he might be a little off off kilter. Let me let me open up my Bible and read for myself. I sure hope so. You know, I sure hope that's the case. And if that, I don't want to give Joshua Holmes any credit for that either. Absolutely, it has not. to be one hundred percent God coming into that situation, absolutely, and saving them from that. But still, and that's I get what the you're way saying. that all yeah. salvation, all right religion should be looked at i just wanted it to make shouldn't it be... i just wanted to make it clear to anyone listening that you were not saying hey he's good no could be fine. <laughs> no but he may be reaching a group of people who no one else can reach he may be reaching a group of people who has been overlooked or not at the forefront of other people's minds because of who he is Am am I saying that it's okay? No. Am I saying that God can use it? Yes. That is yeah. that is my mindset. That is when it comes to the pro- prosperity gospel. When it comes to really any kind of off kilter religion that yeah. is that is out there. That that's where I come at it from. I feel like once you watch the videos about Joshua Holmes, I will probably feel a little will, different. You will separate him from every other prosperity gospel. Absolutely, I'm into, sure that it... into a level of his own pure devil-induced yeah garbage. See, and I grew up watching. I grew up kind of off on on like the. The outskirts of that whole prosperity gospel thing. Yeah, yeah. We grew up with T.D. Jakes and Joyce Meyer and, you know. And, and those two aren't as bad either. Right. And they weren't always as bad as they are now yeah. either. Uh, especially Joyce Meyer. Yeah. Joyce Meyer had several books back when were 
perfectly biblical mm-hmm. and great. It's only been in these like recent years that she's kind of gone off on the whole, oh, God gives me messages to share with you that he couldn't even put into words in the Bible, but I can do it yeah. for you in my book. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of nonsense. But yeah. But no. And I can understand that. Mm-hmm. And because and because they weren't always as crazy as we see them sometimes now, mm-hmm. you know, it was easier to accept that. Yeah. Accept a little bit of the crazy with mostly good. Yeah. Which is what all of us are. <laughs> we're all a little crazy, but we're trying to be mostly good. To be fair. <laughs> to be fair. But, uh, yeah. It's just when it becomes a mass-produced thing that you start going, uh, I, uh, I can hear what Kevin would say right now about this Joshua Holmes dude. What would he say? He is not a true Texan, (laughs) and he gives Texas a bad name. You're listening to the best of the back row. You're listening to the best of the back row. Here's the news. American pastor Andrew Brunson has been released after being detained for two years in Turkey. At a hearing Friday morning, a Turkish court freed him from judicial control, which lifts his uh, house arrest and travel ban. Despite a guilty verdict sentencing him to three years, one month, and 15 days in prison, Brunson returned home to the United States last Friday due to good behavior and uh, time already served. Hmm. President Donald Trump met with this American pastor, Andrew Brunson, in the Oval Office on Saturday. Uh, and this is last weekend, not this previous uh, couple days. Uh, one day after he was released from detention uh, in Turkey, Brunson was released on Friday after nearly two years uh, on terrorism charges because he's a Christian spreading the gospel well done. in Turkey. Uh, Brunson was released on Friday and uh, sitting in the Oval Office with Brunson, Trump congratulated the pastor repeatedly and thanked Turkish President uh, Recep Tayyip Erdogan. This is a Game of Thrones character, right? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like it to me. Erdogan. Uh, For facilitating the release, Brunson later asked to pray over the president. Kneeling before Trump, Brunson asked God to give the president supernatural wisdom to lead the country. Really nice dude. Mm-hmm. Glad he's home. I have to tell you, though, like, sitting in the Oval Office has lost all... I can't think of Granger. the word. Thank you. <laughs> Stature? Status? Since... Glory? Since the president met with Kanye. Oh, I thought you were referring to since the sitting president got a... Uh, uh, sexual favor done at the desk in the Oval Office. That's not what I was going with. <laughs> that's the last time I had any respect for that room. <laughs> sure. <clears throat> Although, ha- did you hear about Donald Trump meeting with Kanye West? Oh yeah, I heard. I heard the whole the whole spiel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And the president, so what is it like to be in the Oval <laughs> Office? And Kanye just goes off. <laughs> I heard the whole thing. Every word that Kanye said. <laughs> and when it's over, 
Donald Trump's like, well, I don't know what I can add to that. I know. He rendered Trump speechless. Speechless. Because at that point, Trump couldn't. I'm, I mean, Kanye is like, I don't know. I can't even. He's talking about how he registers as a as, as a genius. That was a part of that thing. How he's he's taking all the tests and he's up there with Einstein and Tesla <laughs> as part of this long, rambling, incoherent thing. Oh gosh. Well, and he's talking about how the the president needs the best of the best, and he should be flying in the absolute best aircraft that there is because if he doesn't look good we don't look good and if we don't look good then we lose all respect from other countries wouldn't you want your president flying in the and he's got his phone showing the and donald trump is just sitting there like nodding his head but like oh dear god what have i gotten myself into (laughs) why did i agree to this interview (laughs) and someone pointed out that he's talking about you know needing to be the best and the best and holding up his phone and his phone is like a iphone 7 (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't even have the newest iphone it's true (laughs) yep oh gosh that was funny yeah okay that was a weird weird uh weird derailment sorry funny just months after mike and jennifer stevens opened up their fargo north dakota pizza restaurant in 2015 they saw a homeless man sitting outside of a gas station for several hours at a time jenny told today uh Today Food, which is their food branch of today. Uh, we bought we brought him a pizza. He was so thankful and so gracious. Then we ended up doing it again for a different person and again for a different person and again for another person. Uh, their kindness did not stop at individual slices, however. One year later, the family realized that they were uh, there were people going through the dumpster of the restaurant. So Mike put up a sign in the window reading, To the person going through our trash for their next meal, you're a human being and worth more than a meal from a dumpster. Please come in during operating hours for a couple of slices of hot pizza and a cup of water at no charge. No questions asked. Uh, In the past three years collectively, the family has given away over 142,000 slices of pizza. Which is roughly the cost of, or roughly costs about seventy thousand dollars. So that's seventy thousand dollars that they have. Seventy thousand dollars worth of profit that they yeah. have given away, right? Out of the kindness of their heart, and just said, "You know what? Yeah, isn't that fantastic?" Mm-hmm. There's another. There's another story. I don't remember uh, the details of it, but I remember hearing it within the last couple of years, where there was a pizzeria like that where. When you come in and you buy a slice, a slice of pizza is like a dollar. And people will come in and they say, uh, let me get a slice and let me get one to stay or something like that. Mm-hmm. And one to stay meant they'd write it on a note and they'd put it up on a wall. And so they've pre-bought a piece of pizza. So someone who's homeless or doesn't have the money can come in and pick it off the wall and trade it in for a slice of pizza. That's amazing. Yeah. So people like pay it forward. Mm-hmm. Uh and so, and I think they can do that with coffee too. I think they did it with coffee and pizza. And so they keep coffee and pizza prepaid up on the wall, little post-it notes. Yeah. Things like that, hearing stories like that make me want to open my own business. Right. Just to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Because it's really neat. Mm-hmm. And it serves a great purpose it for really humanity. Does. I mean, it's about, it's about uh, human decency. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So for people that can do stuff like that, keep doing it, man. Absolutely. 
All right, so let's talk about something slightly controversial. Okay. Uh, there's a small faction of folks that are pretty outspoken about how worship music has largely become a way to trick people hmm. into having a spiritual experience, or at least feeling like they are, and that we've ventured away from what true worship's about. Um, now, to be fair, most in this movement are referring more to what's commonly referred to as mega church worship, mm-hmm. the kind that involves lighting changes and smoke machines and a whole concert atmosphere every Sunday. Uh, but some simply refer to playing music at all, such as a worship leader playing like a light guitar part behind the pastor while he's doing the altar call, you know? God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, some think that this would emotionally manipulate someone into feeling an urge to respond. And uh-huh. that if that's the case, that's bad. So, let me get some of your just initial raw thoughts on that. Is worship music emotionally manipulative, do you think? Um, I do not think worship u- music is manipulative. I don't think that it's manipulative. I don't. Um, I can see the argument. Yeah. I can see the person's perspective. However, you personally have to be in a mindset of receiving something to be manipulated by it. So if you are being manipulated, quote unquote, I did air quotes, you can't see me. If your heart is changing, if you're being sensitive to something, if you feel tears welling up, chances are you're not actually being manipulated you're being moved and that's what the holy spirit does okay um but then again isn't most music designed to evoke something that you weren't expecting such as if you're watching a movie yeah yeah i don't want to cry at a movie but get over it the music (laughs) is typically what makes me do it there could be a very emotional scene happening uh, heartbreaking or uh, you know heart welling, but if that music wasn't there, I wouldn't be responding. So is it a situation where the music is only there to force you to respond? Okay, and I don't feel like everybody is like that. No, I think that there are some people who are more sensitive to music. I am one of those people. A worship song will send me into a crying fit, whereas a sermon may or may not necessarily do it for me. Mm-hmm. This is one of those things for me, though, where <laughs> however <laughs> however God speaks to you, right. you have to allow him to speak. And because he knows me, he knows how it's. I am most going to respond to the message that he's trying to give me, that's through music. How insensitive of me to just sit back and be like, mm, I'm good. I don't need to respond to that. Mm, I'm, I don't need to be manipulated by that. I question how many times in my life I would have had a big aha moment in my spirituality, will you, you know, um, if it weren't for music. Yeah. I can't think of like, sorry, I can't think of a sermon where I've been moved to my knees or moved to crying or, you know what I mean? Where it's really, really hit home, but I can think of. Now I have a few times. Many songs. But, but, uh, but certainly more with music. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and I would think that people people of this argument would then come back and say, well, that's exactly our point. Our point is, is that they are basically forcing this emotional response from you, forcing you to get to the point where, hey, we're going to make you feel like God is speaking to you through this because of this music. And so that without this, you wouldn't have had this spiritual experience at all. And so people see that as manipulation of emotions, which I guess technically that is because you are triggering an emotional response. But even if that's the case, I guess my argument would be is that that's not necessarily a bad thing Mm -hmm. uh, for the exact reasons that you're stating is that God speaks through music. Um, uh, As you said, like music is a big deal in my life as well. It is in many people's lives, uh, especially in their faith journey. And, uh, as much as we love to like bag on K-Love, uh, you know, <laughs> for being sometimes sickeningly sweet, I know that there have been times in my life where God has comforted me through K-Love, mm-hmm. um, through worship music. In fact, um, most times in my life when I felt like God is uh, truly talking to me or that I'm really connecting with with uh, the Holy Spirit, it's been enveloped in music. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's what... Led me to launch Back Row Radio. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 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 how I feel. You know, this music is the soundtrack to my faith, and uh, you know, back the the difference between Back Row Radio and K Love, aside from playing more genres, is that you know, K Love, uh, their whole slogan is positive and encouraging. So most of the music that you hear won't really have a whole lot of negativity in it. Mm-hmm. While here on Back Row Radio, we'll play songs from Christian artists that are struggling with mm-hmm. things. And maybe they don't find the resolution in that song. Right. Uh, for instance, 21 Pilots uh, has come out with their, their Trench album, which we have several of their songs on there. But uh, a lot of 21 Pilots music from the beginning has been about struggling with depression, with thoughts of suicide, with, with uh, um, low self-esteem and whatnot. And, and Trench, the, if you've seen any of the music videos associated with this, is basically this whole whole allegory to that where they've created this fake world with this fake character that pulls the main the lead singer into this depression state which they seem as a city mm-hmm. um and uh the character that that pulls him into the state is called blurry face uh which they've hinted to in previous albums and whatnot has been a part of a song and in these videos even back a couple albums every now and then you'll see the main character He's got black ash like all over his neck and all over his hands. And that represents times when he is in this depressive state. And they've come with this this very theatrical, these very theatrical music videos that all tie in together uh, for this new album where he wakes up in this trench, this this kind of um, gorge mm-hmm. where it represents this is where you have to go to escape this city of depression and, and, and stuff like that, low self-esteem. Uh, and the only way to get out is to escape through this route. And he's in this for, for the song jumpsuit. He's in this trench and blurry face character rides up to him on a horse and he's just standing there and he gets off and the blurry face rubs his black ash on his neck. And so his neck gets, it, grows into the whole thing is covered in black and he's just kind of following blurry face back to where he was but then up on the the 
the rocks high up on the rocks are all the other people that have escaped uh this this city mm-hmm. and this represents all of his friends i believe up there was his wife in the video too and and his best friend the other member of the band uh you couldn't really tell that that was them they were all in these jumpsuits and hoods and whatnot yeah but they they threw all these flower petals which is the color yellow which was supposed to symbolize uh, you know the freedom or whatever mm-hmm. to try and help him escape and if you watched you saw as he was realizing this was happening the black ash faded away from his neck and that's when he was able to take off running uh away from blurry face so i mean it's it's whole emotional thing and you know there's a, a whole a thousand youtube videos explaining all this so you can find the whole story there but just seeing that and knowing where i was 10 years ago mm-hmm. with depression with my self-esteem uh and knowing that if i would had this music then and explaining exactly and just showing exactly my struggle mm-hmm. at the time Number one, I would have known I wasn't alone. Mm-hmm. Number two, I would have felt like God saw me and saw that this was something happening and knew that he was putting people in, in the world to help me escape, that he was that he was there, mm-hmm. you know, that he was my jumpsuit. <laughs> that was that was trying to, to cover me, to, to help me escape. And uh, if I didn't have that music, if I didn't have that, that uh, emotional tie-in, to the reality of life like nf talks about a lot mm-hmm. too and you know you and i both both love nf yeah but a lot of his music is on the darker side it it's, is it's it's dealing with the reality of pain and, and emotion and self-esteem and issues like that uh not trusting other people not believing other people uh lies that we tell our own self and uh struggling with the the good and the bad within ourselves you know, if we don't acknowledge that happening, then we uh, get surprised when things go south, you know, mm-hmm. in this world. So I think to have a situation where we're in church and we're letting that music speak to us and break down those barriers of our heart, break down those barriers in our minds and let God in just a little bit, mm-hmm. even if that is technically manipulative it's for our own good you know yeah it's it's something that that is it's almost i don't know i want to equate it to a parent doing something for our own good you know that we might not like at the time or like me that we might not have wanted or expected exactly but in the end it's exactly what we needed Mm -hmm. yeah um so i mean music's supposed to be emotional right Mm -hmm. that's that's why that's why it exists. Um, I think life is full of manipulative situations. Yeah. Um, Let's have a positive one. <laughs> exactly. I think we need to take issue with it and be up in arms over it when the manipulation is to hinder us. Mm-hmm. And in this situation, manipulation through worship music, if that's what you want to call it. I even have a hard time saying that it's manipulation. Because it is a negative connotation. Exactly. Exactly. But but technically, I guess that is what it is definition-wise. Yeah. Just not, it's not negative. Exactly. It's for the positive. It's it's for our growth. And I don't know. Well, if if you believe like we believe, then... 
We just reassured your beliefs. <laughs> if you don't believe like we believe, get, we can't get be your friends. get your mind right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the best of Matt and Mo here on BackRowRadio.com. For more of Matt and Mo's antics throughout the years, follow our podcast, The Morning Side Hug, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can hear brand new episodes of The Morning Side Hug Monday through Thursday on BackRowRadio.com at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time. See you again real soon. <laughs>